Welcome to the Mouthy IP Podcast, where we discuss infection prevention for the busy dental profession. The Mouthy IP Podcast is created by Nebraska ICAP, Infection Control Assessment and Promotion Program, and is funded by the Nebraska DHHS HAI team via a CDC grant. Each podcast features experts discussing current infection prevention topics and answers to questions asked by dental professionals from Nebraska. Welcome to our latest edition of the Mouthy IP. We have assembled the the all-star cast. We have Kate Tyner. We have Sarah Stream, as well as Dr. Hankins. So uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, Today, we are going to discuss an interesting question that we got in our voicemail. Hi, Icap. I heard a little bit about So, our audience has uh, again surprised me. I didn't expect this type of question, uh, but uh, you know, our our cast of members here will uh, uh, discuss the uh, appropriate way to handle this. Thanks, Dan. So, really, when we look at a work uniform and laundry, there's a lot more to unpack than you would expect with this. So I think first um, we should talk about what all should be included in your uniform. And I know in dentistry, there aren't any standards that point to this, but Kate has some insight on standards in hospital settings that may be helpful for us to understand what is in a uniform. This is an interesting thing that's actually been kind of a, a popular debate lately in um, the you know patient care world of acute care and outpatient, and that is Um, In the hospital, most of the listeners are probably used to like the idea that a nurse or somebody who takes care of you at the bedside, you would see that person wearing scrubs, right? And that, you know, the scrubs kind of are something that's easily washable, um, sometimes that denotes like the type of practitioner who's at your bedside, depending on what color they wear, et cetera. Um, In our world of acute care, there's actually been more talk about that, that you know, should we expand this washable uniform that people go home and wash at least daily? Um, What about these practitioners who go around the hospital and maybe wear the same tie every day? Or is not something that gets washed? Or um, what are some standards for suits and things like that that are clearly not laundered and they're not necessarily dry cleaned every time they're worn, but you know when you're working in a patient environment with blood, body fluids, Um, things like that, we really should be looking at, you know, are these things that are safe to the person who's wearing them if we're not able to launder them? But then also, we know that we can carry things from room to room. And so what should we be covering up um, so that we don't introduce things from, you know, Sarah's room to Kate's room? Um, What should we cover up or what should we make sure we're able to remove um, on our uniform? So that's something that's been actually debated a lot in Um, acute care lately. So I wonder, Sarah, how, what is kind of the standard in the dental environment? So the standard in the dental environment, usually for assistants and hygienists is scrubs, just like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're easily cleaned. Um, You can color coordinate your whole team and make them look cute with scrubs. 
Um, but as far as from an infection control standpoint, you want to make sure that you have um, at least some minimum standards to your scrubs. So you want to make sure that you have um, every all of your exposed skin covered, right? So those scrub jackets or shirts will go cover your entire arm. Um, when you sit down, you don't want to have your ankles or legs exposed. And if you're wearing a scrub jacket, it should be buttoned up to the top so it covers um, your neck and chest area. Um, I know a lot of offices use those uh, scrub jackets, which is great. You can put the jacket on, you can take it off when you go on your lunch break, that sort of thing. Um, and if you are an office that doesn't like those, some people get really hot in them. I think it's also okay that you could wear a long sleeve shirt under your scrub top, but you wanna make sure that that long sleeve shirt is considered a part of your uniform and it can become contaminated. So you'll wanna change out of that before you leave the office. So Sarah, what you're describing, you know, covering all your body surfaces and removing clothes before you leave the patient care environment, that relates in acute care more like to the operating room setting, right? Where people wear launderable scrubs and they never take those scrubs home to wash them themselves because they're in an environment where they're so likely to become contaminated with blood and body fluids that in a hospital environment that I think there's a lot of misperceptions about why we issue scrubs to people in those environments, but what you're talking about in dental, and that makes a lot of sense because the procedures you're doing are messy. Are they not? They are very messy. Yes. Um, so, I'm sure. Sarah, quick question about this. Sure. So as you're saying like, oh, people should make sure if they wear a long sleeve shirt, they take it off. Um, before they go home. And so does that mean that they're not wearing the same stuff into the, the dental office so that what they're utilizing when they're um, next to a patient is something they put on once they get to work because they're also taking it off when they leave? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, you know, and that's the gold standard is you would wear street clothes into work change into your uniform there, which it would include your scrubs, your long, long sleeved shirt, scrub jacket. Um, shoes are included in that as well. We haven't talked about shoes yet, but really you should leave your work shoes at work. Mm -hmm. um, that way you're not bringing anything in mm -hmm. and working with patients. And then before you leave, you'll change out. Um, we'll talk about laundering here in just a minute and how to handle that. But you don't wanna carry those contaminants back out into the community. I always use the example of, you know, when I was in clinical dental assisting, we would do procedures. And when you use a high-speed handpiece, things fly around. There are little pieces of tooth and stuff. Um, you know, I walked out of a procedure and had a piece of tooth stuck in my hair. So you can imagine where things go. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff lands on your clothes. So if I were to yeah. wear scrubs and then wear them out of the office and I go home and what happens when your two-year-old sees mom for the first time for the day, right? <laughs> They're going to run and give you a big hug and smash their face right into your dirty scrubs. And then they're exposed to everyone that you treated that day. As Kate yeah. was mentioning the operating room, uh, I do have a story of uh, regarding myself in the operating room and scrubs. And so I'm a infectious disease trained, did internal medicine residency 
uh, worked in an ICU and we would wear our own scrubs in kind of as Kate was talking about it, wear them in from home, we'd wear them around the hospital. And as I'm interested in infectious disease, I was taking care of a patient that I was told uh, had a new bloodstream infection. A patient was in the operating room. And so I was thinking, you know, if I want that patient to start antibiotics right now for this bloodstream infection, I need to go to the operating room to tell them to start the antibiotics. And so I'm, I'm excited to do something that in my mind, I'm helping this patient out a lot. And so I go down to the operating rooms, I put on my little, uh, my little head garb, I put on the little boots to cover my shoes and I walk into the operating room and I'm telling them like, oh, this patient has a bloodstream infection. We need to start antibiotics. And the charge nurse in the operating room looks at me and says, you get out of here. And she said that because she could tell I was wearing scrubs from home, not scrubs that I put on in the hospital. <laughs> and so as I'm trying to do all these things to save the patient, I'm forgetting a lot. I forgot a lot of infection control issues in that situation where what I was wearing was not what I should have been. And the charge nurse in, in the operating room knew exactly what was going on and ordered, ordered me to leave her operating room. <laughs> Probably That's earned a yourself a little bit of a reputation doing that, Dr. Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot learned about, that about <laughs> infection control measures and scrubs. So Definitely. Laundry is important. It really well, is. And I feel like in some ways, like, I'm old school nurse. Like I, every year I'm like, wow, that was longer and longer ago that I trained. I still had to wear whites when I was in nursing school. And I always wondered why I think like the older I get, the more I realized that was a beacon to show who did not know what they were doing, but also it was really clear how dirty you got during the day to wear white all day long. Um, so I think that that experience I know really showed me like it, it, it was kind of appalling. I did not want to wear um, those scrubs in my home environment, my apartment at the time. And so I think like, even though we weren't necessarily told, and I think that's something important about the podcasters, we bring these things up because these are not like standards that I think are like necessarily well taught or well known, but it was, just, it's just like kind of habits you develop over time that no, I never wore my um, work clothes around my own house. When I came home, I was really straight to shower. And I also didn't launder those things with other um, garments. Um, and I got to the point that I left shoes um, at work. Like you're talking about, Sarah, and I, they were wipeable shoes. I mean, dental is a little different than ICU um, in a lot of ways. But I imagine like what you trudge through during the day it has a lot of ick factor. And that's why I was like, nope, I'm not taking those home anymore. Um, so I think it's nice when you consider what you're purchasing for yourself, for your uniform, you know, what's provided to you versus what your employer can provide. I think wipeable shoes are a very nice idea. And I think there's a lot of debate over like, you know, we're talking about uniforms, but shoes are something that I think people really are like, eh, do they matter? Do they not? Um, I think in this case, if you can't leave your shoes at work, it's nice to wear shoe covers just for the reason you don't want blood and body fluid on your shoes if you're taking them out of the workplace. And the difference between me taking my uniform home to wash it and Sarah, what you're talking about is, um, is the amount of blood and body fluid that you deal with in the dental environment. That's something that I think um, for dental providers, they perhaps um, your perspective is so different that it, it doesn't seem messy to you, but for the rest of us in healthcare, it's jaw droppingly messy. 
right? Um, you know, stuff flying around all day long. Um, and that's really the difference of why um, we would compare dental practitioners more to like OR staff of you're around enough blood and body fluid that we've put you into that category where you will pre be provided a uniform that is laundered on campus versus people who um, are provided overcoats or um, isolation gowns to protect their uniform and then they launder their own. And so I think that's something that we could also maybe sort out of, um, what should I be washing myself? What's okay? And what can my employer provide me? And so I, I think we've seen lots of different um, kind of recipes for this in dental, right, Sarah? Um, what you're talking about where you change into everything at work and it's laundered at work. Um, maybe a different tier of that is um, you wear your own scrubs, but you're provided um, a, an overgown or a scrub jacket that is either disposable or laundered on the site. Again, like you're saying, since you're in the sitting position, are you able to protect your upper thighs appropriately? Yeah, and if that scrub jacket or disposable gown isn't long enough to cover your lap when you're sitting, your pants are considered contaminated when you're finished. So even if you wore in your own scrub pants, you would still wanna leave those in the office to be laundered when you're finished. Let's talk about the laundering process, Sarah. When we're talking yeah. about laundry, is this like uh, the gentle cycle that I will be washing my um, my nice work clothes on? Because um, I'm more of like a business dress person. Um, or what, what kind of temperature do you suppose we're talking about here? Well, so I was going over the OSHA standards actually just today to get prepared for this. And OSHA really doesn't have a good they don't, they say just to use a normal cycle. So, you know, whatever washing machine you have on site, just run your normal load of colors. Um, you don't have to do anything special with it. One thing that OSHA is kind of picky about is um, they want you to be able to label things properly. So because you're washing your scrubs in that washer and they were contaminated, you'll want to put a biohazard sticker on it. That's interesting. And so I think um, it's interesting that maybe OSHA doesn't have that same, uh, like, like an expectation that laundry be disinfected. Um, in other parts of healthcare, we do disinfect some laundry and there's different levels of this, right? Consider even um, in a nursing home environment um, where you know it's not the same as hospital, it's a home-like environment, we still disinfect sheets and towels. Um, think about what the hotels have. You know, you're not getting like just a nicely laundered thing. You're getting something that clearly um, has been washed in hot, which is a disinfection method or bleached, um, which is a chemical disinfection method. And so I think um, if you are inclined to want to disinfect things, those are some considerations of um, you can work with a vendor who can um, either help you with like a chemical disinfectant um, and that can be like a color safe disinfectant in your laundry. Or if you have, you know, and that's part of the reason we used to wear whites, I'm sure too, is because we could bleach them out. Um, but the idea we're disinfecting laundry somehow if we have the need to do so. And so when you're saying to mark a washer as biohazard, Sarah, I think also like if we're getting to that level, then I would be, um, when I consider the administrative measures around that, I would want to run a disinfection or a sanitary cycle um, on that washing machine routinely. Um, you know, and I don't think that there is measures set in stone for that. I know that that's something that uh, hospital accreditation looks like. And it, 
it's routine. It's not something that's measured by a specific amount of time, but you could run a sanitary cycle, which is usually really hot water or a chemical that disinfects like the drum of your washer, especially if you're washing other things like surgical towels. Is this normally done on site at dentist office? Do, do dentist office run laundry at the dentist office or is this a service that's normally like contracted out? So there are really both of those options depending on the size of the office and what the doctor wants to do. There are laundry services um, and you can go that route. Uh, if you do, you want to make sure that they are certified to do medical laundry that because that's a thing. Um, you don't want to just send it to uh, Mrs. Smith down the street who does people's laundry for them. <laughs> that's not where we want to send it. Um, and they'll have transportation and bagging standards that you'll have to meet. So those bags will have to have biohazard stickers on them and those sorts of things. You can also do the laundry in-house. So I know a lot of offices just have a washer and dryer in their break room, which is great. You can get the stackable ones. You don't have to get anything special. Um, and then, yeah. Because yeah, I find this to be really interesting compared to, I think a lot of the comparisons we're making is into a, acute care. And so hospitals have their own laundry service. And so they'll do the, the ORs laundry and they'll do all towels and sheets for uh, inpatients. And so I find it really interesting as you think about that. And then we start looking at individual dentist offices. And so it's individual think, offices yeah. um, having to, to do that as well compared to something on like a large scale. And I think it's really a scale thing. You know, you have an individual dental facility and maybe they have one doctor, three assistants and a couple of hygiene, you know, there's only less than 10 people. So we don't need to have a huge laundry facility. We can get everyone's uniforms in one load at the end of the day. So it's yeah, easier to have it on campus. There's different options. And I think I, what you've said actually, um, you know, it, it hits a, you know, like a pretty illuminating way to me, Sarah, that if OSHA is not requiring that we disinfect laundry, it, it makes it very easy to do laundry in the facility. Um, and that's a much better option than sending it home with people. I think it also, um, you know, eliminates some of just like the, the HR issues of people coming into work with a uniform, like, is it wrinkly? Is it smell right? Et cetera. But um, I think- Does it smell right? <laughs> you've worked with that kind of person, Dr. Haney. No, that if we're going to be leading- Usually I'm not thinking though that it's the clothes. I'm thinking it's the person. It's like, ah, you- <laughs> Well, and I think like this is something like in nursing school, we spent a lot of time like at the beginning on like, you're not supposed to wear perfume when you're working that close to people. Um, you're not supposed to wear like strong smelling laundry detergent or softener, things like that. That, and especially you're talking, Sarah, dental assistants or people who train very much at chairside and may never go to school to hear some of those things. I mean, there's some basics of, you know, I'm caring for somebody and getting really close to them. What's polite? Should I have dog hair on my uniform? Things like that. Um, so the laundry takes care of a lot of that. And if we can like further simplify it, you know, I think uh, everybody's done laundry uh, for their family, right? And I think that it, it's not out of the realm. You know, we don't need to make it more complicated than it is. But I think everyone's had the opportunity to wash soiled sheets or soiled towels, things like that, that, you know, some very basic practices is I'm going to wash this as hot as I can. Um, when I need to, if there's blood and body fluid on it, um, I could use a chemical disinfectant. 
But then also the idea of if I've run that load, I'm probably going to run a blank cycle, that sanitary cycle afterwards before I wash other things. And so I think we can kind of take some of these simple um, kind of lessons from regular life and apply them to this setting. And I don't want to make it sound like everybody has to contract out their laundry. That's for sure. Oh, no, not at all. And really for most offices, it'll be like a one load at the end of a work day, you know, and if you only work four days a week, it's not that bad. You can switch it up. Maybe I do laundry one night and Kate stays and does it the next night. Um, you brought up a really good point too, about when to change your jackets. You know, if it does get soiled, mm-hmm. it's time to change it. If you can right. see junk on it. We need to get rid of it. And, and so we can relate that to basic customer service right? You're really going to frighten patients if they see blood on your jacket, right? Um, And it's not clean, right? If you have blood or body fluid from a previous patient on you, it needs to be removed, period, end of story. Yeah. And the employer should have enough jackets to cover that. You know, if you have to doff a jacket in the middle of the day and go get another one, then that should should be easy to do for you. And I think if we're, if we're specific to the OSHA standards, the employer can also provide disposable cover gowns, right? And I've, I have seen this in several practices of like a disposable scrub type jacket. It's comfortable. It's not overly hot or anything like that. A snap type jacket um, and had people wear that, you know, they wore basic. It was long enough. It covered their upper thighs, et cetera. Um, but in COVID times, uh, disposable gowns, right? Like this has become kind of like a new normal that if you don't want to launder, if you don't want to use a contract, that will kind of be a third option. Yeah, disposable gowns are really great. I know a lot of doctors are concerned about the overhead costs with that, you know, adding another disposable in, uh, cost. I've seen recently with the COVID pandemic, they now have out a disposable, launderable gown. Have you seen these, Kate? I think I have. Yes. And I mean, like the, what we would liken them to, and again, I'm sorry that I keep saying hospital environment, but certain surgical gowns um, were heavy enough and like fluid resistant enough that they could handle a wash cycle. And I think that the industry kind of saw what people were doing with that and learned from it. So are dental practices using those? They are. I've seen quite a few using them because of COVID, right? Um, They've had to switch from like their waist length uh, scrub jackets to the gowns, right? Like the knee length gowns. And these, the ones that I've seen, you can launder them like 20 times and then get a new one. So it's a little bit more cost effective. Um, I will say they're not cute at all. So, so if you're going for looking cute, don't get those. Well, and I think it, no matter what the option, I think that it, it's nice to talk about, there's various things to try these things cost, but you could, you could choose something that works for your practice size, right? If it's a very big practice, sending it out might really be the easiest thing to do. Um, if you do send things out, um, the most responsible thing is to verify their practices. Um, in the hospital environment, um, we were an accredited hospital, so we would choose an accredited laundry agent, but then as part of our compliance, we would have to go visit them and verify that they had the, you know, basic infection prevention that we would expect in our own environment. That's part of your duty as a contractor to kind of verify some of that. So that's something to consider, but for bigger practices, um, it's a very nice option. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think it's important to talk about too, like when we're handling laundry, after you've removed it, and if you, you know, if you put it in a hamper next to the washing machine, you need to make sure if you're getting in there to move that laundry into the washing machine that you're still practicing the standard precautions because those are contaminated garments. So, so standard precautions, wearing gloves, things like that, yep. not overly handling things, right? So when we take them off, we're not flipping them all over the place where we could be aerosolizing what's on the garment, kind of gently wadding them, putting them in a hamper. Exactly. This is all certainly way more complicated than uh, what a layperson uh, might understand or appreciate. Um, and, you know, I've got another business idea of, of making camouflage camo for the dental practice and having you know, like miscellaneous teeth and other kind of, uh, of uh, pieces along <laughs> there help along the way. I don't, I don't think that probably helps anyone, but you know, Got a it little might bit be of cuter. blood splatter. And yeah. It might be a little cuter. You know? yeah. And then it doubles. You can wear it in Valentine or on uh, Halloween as well. I like Valentine's Day. Too. You know, might be an off. Yeah, it's a twisted day. idea. Valentine's okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I worked for a dentist who on Halloween, he would, he would give candy out of his office and he would put on one of his white coats and splatter it with fake blood and stand out and hand out toothbrushes to the kids and tell them to brush their teeth. Nice. <laughs> Either made people not eat candy or made them afraid of the dentist. I, I would have chosen the latter because I wouldn't have stared away from the candy. I know that. <laughs> I think we've talked about it up and down. I, we answered the question. Um, keeping our work uniform and shoes clean. Um, yeah. Parting words of wisdom. Yeah. I think, I think that this is an often overlooked thing in dentistry. So many people I've seen, you know, just wear their uniform home and it's not good practice. So this is a really good, easy way to keep yourself and your family safe. And to kind of know your rights as a worker. Yeah. It is an OSHA standard. So, you know, if you're not doing laundry in your office right now, it is something to think about because if you did get audited by OSHA, um, it would be a fine for sure. It's good to know. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Dan, for bringing us this good question today. Thank you all. And thanks to our audience for uh, going with us through our uh, latest journey of the Mouthy IP. We want to thank Sarah Stream, Kate Tyner, as well as Dr. Hankins for uh, imparting their wisdom, like always. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us learning about infection prevention and control in the dental setting. If you have questions you would like the team to chat about, feel free to call our ICAP infection control hotline at 402-552-2881 or visit our website at icap.nebraskamed.com. Look for our next Mouthy IP podcast episode, and don't forget to stay chatty about infection control in your office.